This is the Paul Goff Audio Experience, business lessons for physical therapists. My name is Paul Goff, former professional soccer physical therapist turned successful business owner and best-selling author from the UK. Each week, we answer your questions and bring you an inspiring story or person from the global physical therapy community. This show is dedicated to sharing with you everything you need to know to become hugely successful in private practice. Thanks for joining me today. Now let the class begin. So let's get going with the episode. It's great to be here. My name is Paul Goff. Excited, as always, uh, live from Orlando to share with you um, uh, something that is uh, it is exciting. It's a brand new uh, segment of the podcast. We've um, spent some time in the uh, US office over the last week or so. We've had uh, a very special guest fly out from England, Amy's being with us, the voice that you will often hear on my podcast to work alongside uh, our brand new social media producer, Jake. Producer Jake, we're going to call him um, from now on, or PJ uh, for short. How, how about PJ? Do you like that one? He's having PJ. All right, so PJ and uh, an AP have been in the... <laughs> have been in the, I'm literally making this up as I go along have been in the um, in the studio figuratively if you like with us uh, working on uh, some new cool stuff like I promised you a few episodes ago we'd been in hiring mode and uh, one of those hires was to bring out a brand new uh, social media producer so that we could just distribute content like there's no tomorrow. And uh, we've created the uh, bl uh, blueprint, if you like. We now know what that looks like, and we're on the way to getting uh, that to you. So if you haven't already, uh, follow me on Instagram at the Paul Goff. There is now daily videos coming out as we speak. So if you're not following uh, me on Instagram or Twitter at the Paul Goff, you're going to see daily videos coming out of me working with staff and just sharing the, the you know the things it'll uh, be stuff that's going to solve problems in your life if you are a business owner you've got problems with things like drop-offs and arrivals and can't get new leads and just you know dealing with staff and the crap that you have to take um, on a daily business of running a business you're going to see daily videos coming out on Instagram and when de uh, definitely going to make the most of Instagram uh, TV so at the Paul Goff is the place to be so um so yeah it's look what day is it right now it is uh monday the 24th of june and uh, last week we spent as i say five days building out the framework for our social calendar uh stuff will be happening every day across all of the different platforms um and we're rolling into a pretty big week in uh the paul goff uh, world if you like planet paul as we call it on the inside we're off to nashville this weekend um flying out on thursday uh, jake's going to be recording much of the uh, journey so we'll be sharing a lot of that on instagram and youtube uh, and some footage on this podcast as well my entire team from the uk are flying out and we're going to be taking care of 150 people in Nashville this weekend. We've got Mike Michalowicz, author of Profit First, who's going to be speaking at the event. Uh, we packed out the hotel, completely took over at the Hutton Hotel, I think we're at in uh, Nashville, which is exciting. People are starting to make their way uh, to our event uh, from Wednesday onwards. And we're going to be there all weekend uh, with the team. Uh, which is pretty cool from a professional point of view in my private uh you know at home if you like um my mother flies in tomorrow from england she's had enough of the weather back there says she cannot tolerate it anymore and has uh booked a flight told us that she's on our way so excited to see my mother tomorrow uh and then my sister flies in on sunday so uh, when i get back from nashville i've got both mother uh and little sister in the house as well as best friend who's uh, traveling out to be at nashville with me this weekend as well so it's going to be uh it's going to be fun kids are doing great uh, Harry's got a couple of weeks left at uh, preschool before he heads back to England for the summer. And um, Tobias is doing good as well. What else have we been up to? Not much recently because the, um, the the theme parks are packed right now. The weather is uh, everything you would expect in Florida. Um, one minute, 98 degrees by the pool. The next minute, there's a tornado warning on your phone to get indoors. So it's... Um, it's pretty extreme right now, but loving every single second of it. And it is cool to have uh, some of the UK staff over. Cameron's here, the editor of Cash is King. He's here with us. Uh, so we've got right now in the US office, three Brits and, and two Americans. So the conversations are um, the conversations are very fun. So 
anyway that's what i've been up to uh, let me just say thank you to the sponsors of the show infusionsoft those guys are doing some incredible things right now i've been on the phone to them this morning and um some of the stuff uh, that those guys are up to we've got uh, the perfect package for you if you like if you wanted to get on board with infusionsoft uh, we've got all of the systems for you pre-built ready to drop into your business that uh, can ultimately uh I think there's 11 systems that we use inside Infusionsoft that took me two and a half years to build that we can drop into your business within 30 to 60 days. So if you want help with uh, systems for arrivals and marketing and selling and uh, stopping drop-offs and just reactivation of past patients, we've got all of that. Head over to polgoff.com forward slash Infusionsoft. Uh, take the training. I'll show you exactly how I build my business using Infusionsoft. And if you like what you see, fill out the form at the end and, and book a call with Rachel. Uh, he'll give you a one-on-one -on -one demo or just send an email to paul at polgoff.com and shortcut the process. Uh, and get on with it as fast as possible. So thanks to Infusionsoft. Um, so now what we're going to talk about. So this is the new series. It's the CEO series, as we're calling it, Inside CEO, essentially. So I've been running a program now for six months where I work with business owners, 27 of them. You've probably heard me allude to it on the podcast a few times, that it was the next big thing, if you like, in Planet Paul, that, that you know, there's a lot of business owners now having a lot of success who just want to step this thing up and, and accelerate the speed of their business's growth and ultimately um, step back themselves. So that's that's the big tipping point. You know, it's easy to get a business to, to run while you're there. Uh, we all know it's a very different game trying to get the business to run without you being the, the, the chief generator, if you like, of revenue. So we've got 27 businesses in my CEO program split up into three groups. And what I'm doing um, is ultimately now interviewing each one. So you're going to see this series play out around about two interviews a month. And the focus is on what it takes to become a true CEO and leader of a company that does not rely upon you treating patients. This is it. Like this is the holy grail of running a business. It's one thing to have a business that makes you $100,000 a year that you're in and stuck in, right? That's fine. That's that's often, you know, where most people end up. It's like, yeah, I've got a good salary. I'm making good money, but I'm now stuck in the business. And if I go on vacation for a week, I lose a significant sum of money. Going to Disneyland isn't just $5,000. It now becomes 10 or 15 because the uh, time that you've spent away from the business ultimately costs you more than the vacation and is candidly why a lot of people don't take vacations because it's not the cost of, of actually going on, you know, on the on the airline or on the, the hotel. It's the cost of being away from the business and the ultimate mess that ensues, if you like, when you're not there that exposes where all of the problems are that for many, they just conclude that it's just easier not to go away. Now, I for one would stick to two fingers up at anybody um, you know, who thinks that the best way to run a business is to be stuck there for 25 years and think that there is an award for spending 51 and a half weeks every year uh, behind the desk of your business. There is no prizes at all um, for anybody who is winning that race. That is the road to ruin. And ultimately, what we're doing now with this series is exposing to you what it takes to step back. That if you currently think that this business of yours has to rely upon you and that's the way that it has to be, I'm going to show you every other week somebody who is doing it, not, not talking about it, doing it. And we're going to expose the challenges, the struggles, the mindset it takes, the systems, the hiring, the, the numbers, uh, and ultimately just everything that you're going to have to do if you want to be able to step back from the day-to-day -day treatment so that we can figuratively create a business, a cash flowing machine that generates $100,000 or $150,000, however much you want to make without you being the chief revenue generator. How can we get you to step back from treating patients every day and ultimately start running a company? That's what we're going to talk about. So we're starting with a guy called Jake Berman of Berman PT in Naples, um, Florida. Now, Jake is the epitome of everything that we're speaking about. He started a practice, um, three years ago, just six to eight visits a week. So this was just three years ago, right? I remember speaking to Jake uh, in a small room. He was renting somewhere. Uh, he barely had a dime. He just literally got going and he was struggling along with six to eight visits a week. So fast forward three and a half years, he's now crushing it with a clinic that he owns the premises of. So he, he bought the premises. He's got six staff. He's making well over six figures, well over six figures in profit. And best of all, uh, has Jake working less than five hours a week. So when we start talking about profit i want to clear something up jake's making profit on top of what he takes out as his salary okay so jake pays himself the salary of a typical pt wage down there in um in naples florida and on top of that he also makes a profit 
Now, dis- separate the two because nearly everybody you're going to speak to or hear from on this podcast is taking a salary for their current involvement in the business and on top of that is making a profit. Now, why that's important is because when they want to step back completely, they replace their salary, give it to somebody else, but the business still makes the profit without them being there. So Jake's making a good salary as well as taking home a six-figure profit in this business. He's well on his way to owning a business that does not rely upon what he is doing day to day. So he doesn't have to be in there for 35 hours a week treating patients. So we're going to talk about things like hiring mistakes and what he now does differently. Uh, the mindset needed to hand over patients to clients who want to see you. Dealing with rock stars, aka pain in the ass. How to get better candidates for your most important roles. Accepting that others will never do the same job as you and so much more on this episode. If you uh, want to replicate what Jake has done, uh, here's his path to success with me. So he started with the New Patient Accelerator program. He joined my 4% Club Mastermind program and he's now made his way to the top level of Planet Paul in the exclusive CEO Mastermind uh, program. Um, head over to uh, acceleratornow.com if you want to make that same journey and begin it as Jake did. Uh, leave your comments, thoughts, and questions on Twitter at the Polgoff and follow at the Polgoff on Instagram uh, for more content like this that is going to be coming out um, pretty much non-stop. So uh, without further ado, I will hand you over to Jake Bannum uh, and let you uh, hear in his own words how he's got from six to eight visits a week to a clinic owner who uh, is now making six figures profit, who owns his business, has six, uh, owns his premises, has six staff, and he's down to, I think now, two to three hours a week treating um, and just waiting for literally the ink to dry on a contract for him to step back completely and another PT uh, replace him. So turn it up, enjoy the interview, uh, and leave me your comments on Twitter and Instagram. Jack, welcome to the show. All right. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, so tell us about your, um, obviously I know you very well. So tell us uh, and the people listening to the podcast um, about your business and ultimately how you got started. Okay, so I graduated in 2012, worked in the Panhandle for a year and a half and then worked in Jacksonville for a year and a half in in-network clinics and then moved back to Naples where I'm from. And the goal was to always open up my own clinic, but I didn't know that I was going to open it up out of network. So I opened up 100% out of network in October, 2015. And I was a one man band in a little tiny 300 square foot office and got the ball rolling. That's how I got started in October, 2015. And then, um, we have seasons down here. So it's called snowbird season and it's typically from October through Easter, but it really hits hard in January through Easter. So my first year in business, I was seeing around six to eight visits per week, which was not good. 40 was my goal. And then my second year in business, I was seeing 40 to 42 visits a week and I was maxed out there and I couldn't, um, physically take on anymore is just too much. So I knew that by the third year that it, it was time to make a decision and we had to look for a bigger premises and hire some people and grow this thing. I remember speaking to you and I remember that conversation uh, probably three years ago now where you were in that box room and you were at that point of, I think it probably was, you know, a few visits a week that you said um, at the time that your, you know, your business just hadn't got, got off the ground. It hadn't got going. So what, what did you do ultimately? What was the change? So we, we, you know, we've watched that go from in year one, uh, six to eight visits to 40 to 42 in year two, ultimately help people understand how that was, you know, it was three, four hundred percent growth in your business. Ultimately, what did, what happened? What did you do? Well, the easiest thing was I, pretty much in my mind at the time was I gambled away over 50% of my bank balance and paid it to you and bought the accelerator program or business growth, or I guess it must've been accelerator program that you started with. Yeah. And then within the first week of doing that, the thing that I changed was I answered the phone differently. Yeah. And then it was from there that that was an immediate overnight 
300% increase in my conversions by just answering the phone differently. So that really was the beginning of the catalyst going in the right direction. Could you give us an example? What, what were you doing versus what you know, might have led that, that give you the bump you're looking for? So I'm out of network, 100% out of network. So one of the most common first questions people ask when they call is, do you take my insurance? And I used to answer the question. I would say, no, but this is what I do. I'm an amazing manual therapist and I'm going to get you better as fast as possible. It's only going to take two or three sessions and you're going to feel great. And come to find out after uh, hanging out in the Paul Goff world, that the the game was already over as soon as I said no, yeah. no but. So as soon as I answered the phone and answered that first question, no but, the game was already over. So it didn't matter what else I said. So that's what I used to say. And now what I say is, well, I'd love to answer that question, but do you mind if I ask you a few questions to see if I can even help you in the first place? And that just completely transitions the attention from insurance to letting me ask these questions and getting to build trust. And I'm able to show value through this 10, 15 minute long conversation. And then we circle back around at the end and come back to that question. What about actually getting people to call you? What, what did you do? So yeah, you took the program, you took the accelerator program, but what was the thing that started to get the phone to ring uh, more often for you that, that caused this growth in that early uh, first couple of years of business? So the what it usually or what it what it was mostly is word of mouth initially, but then once I started learning that I had to do actual marketing yeah. and spend my money wisely, then I went into the newspaper. The newspaper was one of the first commitments that I made and before meeting you and learning all your strategies it would have been the last thing I ever would have spent money on because everybody says that newspaper is dead. Newspaper doesn't work. It's the worst money that you can spend and it's so expensive. You won't get anything out of it. But then after going through the accelerator program, it's like, well, yeah, you're saying the wrong thing. Yes. So I started running ads in the newspaper and that was like instantaneously phone starts ringing. And it's like, Oh shit. Now I got to figure something out. The phone's ringing. But yeah. that was the biggest thing I started doing. And then I guess the second biggest thing would be, I don't know if I was doing Google yet. Well, I think I was doing Google, but then I started doing a lot, a lot more social media presence. So yeah. getting more comfortable on Facebook and doing consistent, regular Facebook videos and just being more of a presence on Facebook. Yeah, I think what I love about your stuff, um, I'll put your uh, Facebook and Instagram stuff into the um, into the show notes after this, is that your um, one of your biggest strengths is, you know, you've been a part of my group now for a long time and um, people love you and know who you are and you have an amazing personality. And I think that's one of the things that you've done better than, or certainly as well as anybody I've seen, is use your biggest asset, which is ultimately your personality whether that be through Facebook, whether that be on social media, whether that uh, you know comes across on the telephone when people call you. It's not being frightened to be ultimately who you are and ultimately what you want and what you stand for in your business. That I guess as we talk today, you know, as we get into this about how you've ultimately got to the point now of, of almost no uh, treatment time in your business, that strong personality that you've got um, at the same time can occasionally, and, and I include myself in this, can sometimes get us into trouble, if you like, as we grow a business. But at the same time, in the end, as we come through the challenges and struggles, if you like, of growing a business, it's nearly always because we stay true to who we are and we stay true to what we believe in. And it's not necessary that we're shackled by how the profession thinks this you know, type of person should behave or perform or be on social media and uh, so on. So speak to me a little bit about that because I think you're you're one of our certainly massive advocates of somebody who lives like that. <laughs> so when I first started the Facebook videos, they were all content. Yeah. And I swear it took me 10, 15, 20 takes of doing the video over and over again, because as soon as I would stutter or say the wrong word or say something, I would stop it, throw that yeah. video away and retake it again I was sweating profusely by the end of the video. And then 
along the way, I started realizing that people don't care about that stuff. You kept saying multiple times, listen, people are going on Facebook to smile. Yeah. And, and you would say, I remember you saying this explicitly, you said, my only goal of my Facebook post is to make Mary's day. So yeah. Mary's your perfect patient. And once I realized that, I was like, screw this. I'm just going to have some fun videos. And so I just get on there and, you know, goof around and be able to be a smart ass like I usually am and pull out the mullet Mondays and make silly videos. And then, you know, now it's like nine to one. So I'll do nine funny videos to every one content video. And the, the people are watching them now are getting views opposed to every time I, when I was doing a hundred percent content videos, it's like three people watch this video. It's like, what the hell? I put all this work into it and nobody's watching it. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew that people care more about you as the person uh, than you as the physical therapist? Yeah. So we're two years in. Uh, we're now at 40 to 42, let's say, visits a week. A big decision. You, you run out, you're out of space. So it's you in a box room. You're making good money at this point. People coming through the door. But a big decision. Um, tell us about buying your own premises. Yeah, that was really scary. So like I said, I was in a 300 something square foot office. I knew I needed somewhere around double that space if I was going to bring on another physical therapist, another, or bring on a PT and a admin. So I was looking, 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 couldn't find anything. And then my building manager said, are you interested in buying something? And I was like, well, hell, I don't know. What does it look like? And she said, it's a 15 or I guess it's a 1580 square foot place right next door to me, literally through the wall. Yeah. So the location couldn't have been any better. And I was like, holy shit, that is way too big. That's much bigger than I'm ready for. But long story short, I was... You did it anyway. I did it anyways because another thing that you said a long time ago was prepare for success, don't react to it. And that's what happened to me in my second year was, you know, my first year was seven visits a week. I was not prepared for 40 visits a week, maxed out. I couldn't literally take anybody on. So then I was reacting to success. So then my third year, I'm like, let's prepare for success. Screw it. Let's go all in and buy this place. So now I'm committed. Now we have to make this thing work. Ban the boats, as Tony Robbins says. Yeah. Prepare for success. Um, Don't react to success. I'm going to highlight, I'll talk a little bit about that. So what it means for the person listening to this is a lot of businesses get stuck because they quite literally never expect to be successful. So when they're in recruitment mode, they're always hiring somebody to balance the equilibrium. They're always hiring to to kind of manage what they've got and therefore there's no forward growth in the business. It's always we're over uh, inundated with phone calls and therefore the quality drops and people get stressed and people start leaving. There is a scramble to hire somebody and so anybody or anybody is um, is hired just to manage what uh, what they've got. There's no planning, there's no thought, there's no uh, you know, real understanding of what problems we've got and the type of person that we need and as a result, the business starts to get filled with people that necessarily aren't right for the job. There ends up being more people than is actually needed. People, uh, businesses usually end up with more staff who are paid less. And really what we want is usually, you know, in an efficient company is less staff paid more. And none of this type of thought goes on. Um, and usually again with buildings, it's the cheapest, smallest uh, commitment possible that invariably within a year or two, you're out of space and you're constantly having to, to look and hope that you can find somewhere that is um, you know, able to cope with the demand that you've got. So what Jake did there really was looked at it and said, okay, um, if I move to a space that only you know, gives me a slight room for growth, then ultimately I'm going to have to move again within a year. And the cost of that and the time involved in that and the focus being lost on his business while looking for a premises is again the tiny things that distract businesses. That what we're talking about here on this podcast is ultimately leaders and CEOs. And this is the types of decisions that, that we make is that it isn't necessarily just living for today or balancing the equilibrium. But at the same time, it's not necessarily risking the farm and, you know, kind of putting the kids in jeopardy in their healthcare and so on and so forth. It's just making a calculated decision to a plan that says, here's where I want my business to look like in the next three to five years. That assuming that I take the necessary action, I have a very, very good chance of of pulling this thing off, and that's ultimately what Jake um, 
did that. So we get the premises. We're a couple of years in. Um, you've ultimately now got you've now got your own uh, premises, and you have more space than you know what to do with. What do we do next? <laughs> so now we have to fill it fill it with employees. What happens next? Correct. Yeah. So we need you know we we've got some space. Ultimately, we have an asset, if you like, in a building or a plant um, that now is capable of serving more people. Um, what do we do next? Oh man, that was so. One of the guys that I went to, or I got my first job with up in the panhandle, we were roommates together for two years up there. We kept in touch over the years and I talked him into coming down and being my first PT. So, but I told him, I was like, listen, I can't commit to giving you a salary. So would you be willing to come on as a contract worker? We'll build your schedule up as fast as possible and switch you over to salary and help me get this thing rolling. He agreed to do it and he came on in one week after Hurricane Irma. Okay. And we ended up filling his schedule within a month. I couldn't believe it. We went from like zero to filling his schedule in a month. But again, for full context, this was in October now. And October is our soft start of our snowbird season. So people were piling into town. And the strategy I was using to fill his schedule up was... I was saying, listen, this is David, my new PT. He taught me most of the manual skills that I know. Go ahead and give him a try. See if, you know, let him see what he can do. Nice. I love that. A little bit of a a stretch of the truth there, but he is a very, very good manual therapist. Uh, We have different treating strategies, but he is very good, very qualified. And I knew with 100% confidence that if my quote unquote, my patients were willing to go see him that he would steal them from me. And that was my goal. So that's one of the big challenges that people face when they're trying to get to that true CEO, true leader of a business. It's ultimately you can't, it's almost impossible to grow a business if you are the one shackled with all of the patients. We have a business of sorts that is usually out of sorts, if you like, in that you have a business owner trying to be the, um, accountant trying or the finance person trying to be the marketer trying to be the recruiter trying to be the person that is just pretty much involved in everything as well as treating patients for 30 hours a week how um how ultimately did you deal with that from a mindset point of view so what you know what was going through your head you you were pretty ruthless very quickly about this isn't going to be Jake Burnham treating people for 25 years. Although I think one at one time it might have been, mightn't it? If I remember the conversation. So you talk to me about that, that you are the classic. If there's anybody I've converted, if you like to, to planet Paul's way of thinking that is, there is, um, there is another way, shall we say, of uh, making money out of a physical therapy business than being a slave to the treatment room all day, every day. You would be one of my top converts. So tell me about the mindset that you had, the mindset that you've got today, and ultimately how you crossed that bridge. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I guess it was, um, I don't know if it was arrogance or confidence, however you want to say it, but when I first learned learned when I first started learning these manual techniques and getting the results that I was getting, it just it blew my mind and I the impact that I was making on these people's lives and I was like just completely infatuated with it. I was like, I just want to become the best manual therapist in the country. That was my goal. And then after going through accelerator, I think it was actually after the it was before accelerator. Did I go to Alexandria before yeah, Accelerator? I, I remember this conversation because this was, um, you did Accelerator and then you came to my three-day boot camp. And I remember walking around um, DC. We were outside the bloody White House at the time. And um, you telling me that I'd ruined, I, I can't remember the exact words, but I'd ruined your desires or dreams to be the world's best PT. And I, I remember the conversation yeah. very, very well. Yeah, it was after Accelerator. Then we went to that Alexandria boot camp. And after being in a group with other PT business owners and just hearing you talk, but actually getting to see you in person, that was, that was the real thing, or that was the biggest thing was seeing that you are a real person, not this, this person that's on the computer from the other side of the lake that did this thing where he opened up four clinics, cash clinics in the socialized medicine, um, country but being able to see you in person and then hear that you actually did it and then the biggest thing was 
the the turning point was realizing that you weren't 60 years old, that you're actually young yeah. at the time. You're not young anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but you were young at the time. I've younger like, since I've moved to Florida. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy shit, man, this guy did all this for clinics yeah. and he's only this old. Why, why don't I just do that? Screw the treating. Let's, let's run this business. Look at the lifestyle that I could provide for my family. If I become a business owner, opposed to when I'm the only, when I'm the one man band, when I'm the best manual therapist, guess what? I don't have free time to spend with my family. And I didn't see it that way. I was just looking at the, the salary, the revenue that I was generating, which was very profitable, you know, in a 300 square foot office by myself with a full schedule. Yeah. I mean, that was insane profit. The most profit I've made till to this day, like is just insane. Cause there's no expenses, yes. but I didn't have any time. There's no that way. was the biggest thing. When you kept, when you started telling me about this time thing, I was like, Oh, that that's it. Game changer. I don't, I could care less about continuing ed anymore. That's, that's, fi- <laughs> let's figure out how to run this business thing. I want time. It's, it's a wonderful um, thing. Cause the pursuit, the pursuit, you know, we think of in business is money all the time, but ultimately the real gold, the real game, the real lottery ticket, if you like, is uh, time and money. It's not just money. And, and um, you know, there's a way actually to do both if you do it right, which I think there's only, there's only, a, you can only, you know, live the, the real, and I remember somebody telling me this years ago, before I'd really got heavy into business, might have been even in sport when I was in professional sport at the time. Somebody said, really, there's only, there's only a few ways to really make it big in, in life in, in terms of, you know, the, the financial freedom and the time freedom that you want. You either become a movie star, you become a sports star, or you run a business. That's it. And, and, and I remember thinking, oh, you know what? Like you're you're dead right because even society's perceived, um, you know, the the perception of a doctor and the perception of a lawyer is that you've cracked it once you you know. I, I remember again, you know, growing up as a kid, and and my mom would say, oh, that, that you know that guy over there's a lawyer, and I should think, oh, you know, he must be so clever, and he must you know be, be so rich, and he's got so much money, and I'd see the car that he would be driving, I think, God, like you know, I'd love to be a lawyer or a doctor or somebody of that level of of, of prestige, you know, of status, if you like. And then the more that I grow up and the more that I see all of this going on around me, I'm seeing all these do- doctors and lawyers. They're unhappy as hell. They're miserable as shit. They don't see their kids. They're all overweight. Like they're stressed a bit. They, they go to work in a suit and they're still in their 60s and you know, coming in and out of court, getting criminals and bad guys out of, out of cells at three o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, this isn't clever. Like there's nothing prestigious in this. This is just like, this is just hard work on overdrive. To me, if anything, like it, it's almost like these guys have got so much pressure and so much hassle and so much stress and so many things on their shoulder. This isn't actually even worth what they get paid, even though they might get, you know, $150,000 or whatever they, they, they might get paid. So that was the early seed for me when I realized it, that even if you won the, you know, the game of being 150 grand, 200 grand a year salary, you'd still lost if you were working. And, and I don't see even to this day now, any exceptions, whether it's doctor, whether it's lawyer, whether it's, I don't care what position you are holding, unless you are a true business owner, you miss the, you miss the real component that we all actually crave in life, which is time. And it's the, it's the thing that you'll never, ever get back. Making money is easy is something that my uncle Liam used to say, uh, say to me. And I never believed him. As a kid growing up again, he says, uh, he just looked me in the eyes. He says, Paul, making money is easy. And I, and I never believed him. And, and primarily because I was surrounded by people who I was watching struggling to make money, right? And, and then now the more that I've kind of ascended in business and life and, and you know, I really do think making money is easy. It's just the other shit that goes on around it that like you have to be careful of, which is your decisions and the people that you surround yourself with. And like you pointed out their social proof. I've said on this podcast many times, one of the reasons I've come to the United States is so I can get face to face with people. A big factor in my decision to move across the Atlantic wasn't just to be in a you know sunny climate for 360 days of the year. It was, I realized that people are listening to me and, you know, watching my stuff and following my stuff that ultimately it's social proof that if I can get close to people and look in their eyes and they can kind of have some belief in me and it's like, yeah, this guy is actually, he is real. You know, whether I'm the real deal or, or whatever, that's not for debate. It's like just the fact that he's real for most people is, is actually what they need to, um, to see. Hence why I'm, I'm actually even doing this podcast 
it's to expose uh, people in the community to the fact that this stuff is possible. People can make their way out of the daily grind and the struggle and so on and so forth. And if we were going to swing that full circle, it's social proof for patients. It's a big driver in that they need to, you know, they need to see and have believed that other people can actually get the outcomes that they um, they want. One thing that I said recently on stage was that this country has more than anything a belief in possibility than anywhere else I've been, and that's that's something that's pretty powerful. That if you ultimately believe in what's possible, you can make it possible for a lot of people in this profession, because so many people have struggled at it they don't believe it's actually even possible to have your name above the door figuratively and be the owner of a successful um, business. So with that in mind, I'm going to get back to some questions. We've now got this premises. You've now got the, you know, you've bent the boat, if you like. You have uh, realized that uh, growth occasionally comes with this thing um, called expenses, and we have to be very careful of over-leveraging. Uh, I've seen one or two people uh, think that they can, you know, buy their way out of uh, problems, if you like, because ultimately you can have a huge premises, but if you can't market, you can't hire people, you can't uh, keep people on schedule and you can't charge the right prices at the same time as managing expenses, uh, you're not going to be in business for very long. So we're now at the point, you're, you've got your own premises, you're bringing people in. We're going to start to talk about what happens next, which is ultimately you hire people and you know one or two of the challenges you've had there and also uh, the, the wins that you've had there. Um, tell me about some, sec- uh, some uh, successes that you've had recently. Talk about whether it's profit, whether it's hiring, whether it's scaling, reduction in your hours. What do you think are the successes that you think that you've had recently in your business and what's behind them? You know, I'm, I'm glad that you asked me the question because if you didn't ask me the question and I just randomly thought about it, I would say nothing because I've, that's just part of my personality. It, it's part of a, a downfall that I have that, you know, it's never good enough. Let's keep pushing this thing and keep pushing this thing. But when I really think about it, I've had some major wins very recently over the past six months since Q1, really, when um, beginning of January, I brought on an office manager and I went through for some, some context, I've gone through, I don't know, five hires and fires in the past year, got the nickname in the group as the King Whacker, just whack them, <laughs> get, get, get rid of them. Uh, so my first employee made it a whole, almost to the 90 days before I had to let her go. The first one's always the hardest one. T- tell me, I remember again, sat with you in a pub here in Celebration. And I remember you looking at me or asking me a question about something. And I give you an answer and you were like, God damn, like, that's it. She's gone. And, and <laughs> she was getting some, whoever it was, whoever it was, was getting whacked the next morning at nine o'clock. It was like, <laughs> is she ain't even coming into the office kind of thing? What, what happened there? So take us into that situation. Because what I want to try and reveal here is just a few of the... Um, if now we've got a great manager in place in your business, which we have, and we'll get to talking about her, what what did you do wrong with the first one? What were you looking for that you didn't find? Or what what weren't you looking for um, that, that you wish you were at the time that ultimately led you to, to hiring these two or three people that might not have been as good as you would like, a.k.a. a dummy? oh man i was just really naive that was the biggest thing naive not experienced it's my first hire i had no idea i thought that i could just implement the funnel system yeah and if she made it to the end she was a good fit i mean she answered the question she did her seven minute video she could talk to people and you know out of 150 applicants, I got seven videos, six of them sucked, she didn't, so she got the job. So for context for the person listening, the funnel system is a series of steps that um, we put people through to rule out and rule in um, so that instead of interviewing 27 different people, we have a series of actionable steps that uh, basically prove commitment. And, And ultimately what can happen is if you're not careful, we give somebody a job on commitment rather than skills when ultimately the funnel is just designed to narrow down the pool of people to five people who are committed that then we choose the appropriate person from, but they're not getting the job just because they're committed. So what happened? So in hindsight, there were a couple of major red flags that I was just completely ignoring. I was like, Oh, I can teach her how to deal with that. I can, I can 
I'm good enough to fix that problem that she has. And the biggest red flag was um, she was, I don't know what the politically correct way to say this is, but she was not financially stable. She never was financially stable. So she came from that background and here I am charging some serious cash rates. So the money issue, the money conversation never, ever went right. And it was always a very rough conversation. So she was supposed to be on the phone and, you know, she couldn't get the scripts down. Um, not, not because she wasn't smart enough to do it, but it, it really came down to the money thing. She knew what was coming after saying this, you're going to have to get to the money thing. So that was a huge red flag that was there on day one. Another red flag during the interview, she started crying and I was like, Oh, you know, it's okay. I mean, no big deal. Let's, you know, we'll, we'll work through this because yeah. she was so emotional getting the opportunity to do this. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. It's like next, you know, she can't even handle this interview. How's she going to handle running this, this front desk? So that was my first issue. She, like I said, made it almost 90 days. Then the next hire made it three weeks and got rid of her much faster. And then the next one made it like three days. So So I was getting much quicker. So so there's some progress there. You you got much better at recognizing who you didn't want. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Much better at doing that. All time record, 24 hours. So beautiful. Good. That'll, that'll take some baiting. (laughs) Yeah. But then, you know, as this is all going on over the, this past year, I guess a year and a half now, I'm learning what am I doing wrong that's creating this issue. And that was really, I don't know if I could tell you exactly, you'd be better at telling me what I learned than I would be able to tell the listeners on what I learned. But it was really just an evolution of learning what I was looking for, learning what I needed and learning how to find that in a candidate that I was looking for. so what was Waiting. different about this one? So you've, you've got, you've got a personnel that you're ecstatically happy with and by all accounts has made a huge impact on your business. What, what's different about this one? Or what did you do different? Okay, so we knew, we've known for a while that we needed a general manager because my ultimate goal is to get out of the office. I don't want to be in here at all. I want to be outside of this office so that I can start focusing on working on the business, not in the business and work on scaling and taking this thing to the next location or a bigger location, whatever it comes, whether whatever comes. So we were looking for an office manager and we just started the funnel system and looking and looking and looking and couldn't really find anything. We really found her through complete luck. Um, she's the daughter of a patient that my wife treats and she was fed up with the position that she was at at the time. She's been, she was working at this dermatology clinic for six years and, um, it, she was losing control because the guy's wife was stepping in and just taking her responsibility away essentially. So anyway, she was ready to leave, but the biggest thing was I had committed before all of this to spending way more money on a salary to get a better candidate than what I had been spending money. So I've been, you know, paying uh, or looking for 15 to $18 an hour employees. Yeah. Thinking that I could get that same employee to grow into the office manager role. And it just, it was not happening. So pretty much doubled that for what I was looking for and willing to offer if I could pretty much get what you pay for is what it came down to. And I'm, I, I'm ecstatic. I mean, it's, I couldn't, couldn't be happier for what I've gotten. And it really is, you get what you pay for. Particularly in that role, that front desk role, or, well, this sounds like you're getting a lot more. This is, I don't think this is a front desk role. It's more of a GM role, isn't it? Like a, a general yeah. manager, if you like. That I, and as I work with businesses and, and get to see them very closely, the pivotal link is that, that real strong, solid general manager in that business. And it's the absolute link to uh, getting out, or, or, you know, the freedom, the time, the, the getting out of the business cannot happen if you keep getting sucked back into the trivial process type problems, even the hiring problems, the HR problems and so on. It is the absolute fundamental nut that you need to crack 
to be able to get um, to be able to get out. It isn't finding world class therapists. It's finding a world class, strong, confident, um, you know, somebody who's just going to boss that office for you when you're ultimately not there. So, so that's one of the big successes. Um, tell me about what challenges that you have run into as you look to be less involved with patients. Oh man, the, the biggest challenge is accepting that the job that I can do a hundred percent, somebody else is not going to do it a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's really the biggest thing that I'm going through over the past few months is it's like, why the hell can't you just do this exactly how I would do it and get it done perfectly 100% <laughs> the way I would do it. It just doesn't happen. But the thing that's given me uh, comfort with this is knowing that if you get two or three people getting the job done at 80%, that is way more than me by myself doing it a hundred percent. So I'm learning to cope with that and accept that it's okay. It's again, this is the challenge. And um, I'm so pleased we've got to, to speaking about this because I think this is the block for many people that it isn't necessarily anything. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people do want to get to that, that seat that you're, how many hours a week are you down to now? Treating? I got five this week, five hours a week. Good. Um, a lot of people want to get to that point, but the fear that stops them there is that ultimately somebody else can't do the job as well as them. But as you rightly pointed out, the reality is that it doesn't need to be done as well as what you do. It just needs to be done better than any other alternative that they've got, which let's face it, is not that difficult. And when you have the time, the key word that we spoke about earlier, you actually can afford the time to help the people that you employ to be a better version of themselves that they um, would have been had you not had the time. And what I mean by that is when you're in the treatment room, you don't see the the mistakes or the just laziness, shall we say. And I don't mean that in a reckless way, just in the general people come to work and they become a little kind of slothy and a little sleepwalky. And that's just generally how we all are, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis or, or can certainly happen. So when you're not in the treatment room, you can recognize all of these things. So by actually not being in the treatment room, you can ensure that the standards are higher across the company rather than just in the, the, you know, the small part of the business that you've got. And what that means is if you're a business owner who's also treating 25 hours a week and you've got four full-time PTs around you, what's actually happening is the 25 patients that you're seeing probably doesn't even contribute to, to 15 to 20% of actually what's happening in the business. So you're actually in less control of the business than you think you are by staying in the business because you've got four PTs essentially running wild. You have no clue what they're doing. You're not hearing anything. You're not seeing anything. You've got no, you know, inter, you know, got no uh, view of the interactions or you know why people are dropping off and so on and so forth. So getting to that point is pretty powerful. And the, again, the, the the thing that I always point out when it comes to this type of conversation to people, there is a reason that soccer managers, very good soccer players or very good athletes very rarely become great managers. So in, in soccer, you know, that's my game. That's my, my, you know, my country's game, if you like. There are many, many world-class players who do not make it at any point to becoming a manager because they can't accept, and this is usually what is commented on, they can't accept that the players that they are now managing don't have the standards that they did that propelled them to becoming world-class. So ultimately what you get with very, very good managers is usually that they weren't good players, but they're able to know what is required to go on to get the best out of the players. And that that really is, I think, the game that ultimately more and more, you know about this, we're speaking at, you know, in CEO all the time about ultimately the goal of the, the, the business owner is really to play that coach and to be the person that gets the best out of the team, which is your ultimate leverage in business. So that, collectively the four five six staff 10 staff however many you've got they collide and work together to produce more than you ever could on your own so tell me about some of the things that you're doing to get the best out of your team oh man this is uh it's evolving it's definitely evolving but we are definitely doing mandatory weekly meetings so we every wednesday at 10 o'clock we meet for an hour and we go over our mission statement, core values, because we want to keep re-ingraining that so that everybody knows it front backs, 
and backwards, side to side up, yeah. whatever. So that's where we're going to, or, or every decision that we make in the business has to revolve around the core values and the mission statement. And if it doesn't, then we don't do it. Good. So that's one way that we do it. And then the other way is we're running everything off of the KPIs. So Amber, our office manager, she updates us on the numbers that we want to look at every single week. And those ones are, the, we're looking at leads to discovery visit conversions, but more importantly, we're looking at discovery to initial evaluation conversions and then PVA. So patient visit average. So we only look at patient visit average once a month because we look at it monthly. Yes. But the biggest thing that we look at every single week is the discovery visit to initial evaluation conversion. And based off of what those numbers are, then we decide, okay, why are they bad or why are they good? Yeah. And base the rest of the conversation off of that. So these past two weeks actually have not been as good as they should have been. And the reason why they haven't been as good as they should have been is because we quit doing the processes that are supposed to happen. So for example, one of the issues that we had this past Wednesday or spoke about this past Wednesday was what exactly is supposed to happen at the end of the discovery visit is the physical therapist is supposed to walk the patient out to the front and stop right there in front of Amber So it's Amber, the physical therapist and the patient, all three of them together. And he's supposed to say, okay, he's a great candidate. Let's get him scheduled for the initial evaluation. Get him in here Friday or Monday, whichever one, whichever time is the quickest we can get him in here. But we're, it's that transfer of authority, keeping everybody on the same page and making sure it's a smooth handoff to Amber. And that just wasn't happening. It was just like, okay, I'll meet you out front. And, um, you know, the PT goes to the office and then Amber's screaming back, oh, well, what are we doing with him? Are we, are we scheduling him or yeah. what's going on? And then, you know, that was the easy problem to fix. The bigger problem to fix was that system wasn't happening at the end of the initial evaluation where the PT is supposed to walk the patient out and say, Amber, this is our action plan. We both agreed that in order to reach his goals, he needs to get in here twice a week for the next six weeks. And then once a week for the next four weeks after that, um, move heaven and earth, whatever you got to do, get him scheduled so we can reach those goals at the end of that um, time frame. And that was not happening. So the PVA wasn't where it was supposed yeah. to be. So it's things like that for training. Tell me, um, how have you had to develop or reinvent your leadership style as your company has grown? Holy crap, man. It's communication. Communication is the biggest thing because one of the most difficult things for me to understand is how you can not want to do something and make sure that it's done perfectly. Um, Why do I need to tell you to do something? You should know that you need to do that. Those, those were some major issues that I was running into when I first was going through my first few employees. So I had to seek out leadership courses and books and try to teach myself and get mentorship and try to learn how to become a leader. And it all comes down to communication. I wasn't communicating the way I needed to. So people did not respond the way that I would respond. You know, my yeah. dad tells me to do something. I did it. Yeah. If he didn't tell me to do something, I would do it anyways. So it's like other people didn't run like that. So I had to start communicating with people. I had to change the way I was, change how I was saying the things that I was saying. Because it was that saying that everybody's wife yells at the husband for, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? I told you I loved you. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. The emotional aspect of the way people interpret um, what you've said, not necessarily, or how you've said it, not necessarily what you said can be the cause of many uh, irrational, shall we say, as we often see it as business owners, situations inside of a company. Um, So another question, you'll like this one. Um, How have you dealt with rock stars who may or may not be or become assholes? (laughs) 
Because <laughs> the, the the fallacy again in inside these businesses that I keep seeing is that uh, a business owner is just walking on eggshells around somebody who is this so um, you know much needed as they see it. They think every patient wants to see this PT or this front desk person holds so much power, and they don't lose them just in case because they know all of the systems and all of the passwords, and you know only they know how to, to do certain things. So the time often that is banded around is a rock star, and um, Invariably, for me, rock stars, it, it, it just equates to pain in the ass, right? And that's ultimately what, what we all get when you keep or hire rock stars. So talk to me about how you have dealt with, um, with a rock star who caused you a few more frustrations than you would like, shall I say politely. Uh, are you talking about the admin? or I, I, You can talk about whoever you want. You can talk let's, talk, about... let's talk about the admin. Okay. That would probably be better. Um, this girl came in and it was another girl that just fell into my lap. I was treating her mother and she came in, her daughter is who I hired. She was a English major right out of school. Uh, and she was just amazing. She just took over everything, developed all these systems and was just crushing it, taking my business to levels that I didn't even know were possible through communicating marketing messages and things like that. Cause she was yep. a, English major. And she uh, helped. She, I wouldn't have a book if it wasn't for her. She was who actually published my book. So she was my rock star. And when her performance started going downhill, I, I was, uh, it was stressful. It's like, I don't know what to do. This is not going well. I, I can't lose this girl because she's so valuable. She's, I mean, we would just be, be completely lost if, I lose her. Yeah. Super duper long story short, things went downhill really fast and she ended up getting whacked. And it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to my business because I was so caught up in what she had done in the first couple of months yeah. that I couldn't see how bad things had gotten in the last couple of months. And once she was gone and I Amber actually started a week after this girl left. So it was actually a really convenient transition, but we were finding so many things that were not getting done that should have gotten done. And the, you know, the lead follow-up and these things that were not happening that were not going to come to fruition for six months. Yeah. So she's causing these issues that, you know, you're not going to feel the effects for six months of these things. And it's like, Holy shit. But again, it ended up being the best thing. One of the best things that has ever happened to my business was her leaving. I always um, remember the first time I pushed a rock star out the door. And about two days after I did it, um, at least three or four members of staff come up to me and said, things are so much better since she's gone. And, and, and then the real thing that would like really, really piss me off, for want of a better word, would, would be, I'm I'm so you know so pleased that that he or she is gone. I'd be like, why? Oh, you know, just we just knew for a few months that like she she just wasn't right for this business. I'm like, why the fuck didn't you say anything? Like, why, why didn't you come and talk to me? Do you know what I mean? And 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 usually that's what you find is that when this person that you think that you know kind of hold holds the keys to your kingdom leaves, invariably the rest of your team thank you for getting rid of her or him, and you realize that uh, although you focused on a few things that they did very well those things distracted the things that were very bad that ultimately the negative effect always outweighs the positive effect that these rock stars um, or so-called rock stars do. And I shudder every time I see a member of our programs or community announcing the Facebook group that they've just found a rock star, I literally hit my head against the desk and go, oh, I'll give it, I'll give it a month or two before that rock stars is, is absolutely a pain in the ass. Uh, so another question for you. What's the biggest challenge that you've had with running your company? In the, in the, how many years now? Four? Four years? Yep, four years. Biggest, what's the biggest challenge that you've had with running a company? Oh, man. I would have to say the biggest challenge has been trying to accept that everything's going to be okay if I'm not getting the... Um, what's the right word to say? The drive, the 
I guess the drive is a good word to say it, the drive out of my PTs to try to keep a full schedule. That's probably one of the most stressful things that I'm going through. One of the most difficult things is trying to figure out what's the best way to get them to try to help keep their schedule filled Good. opposed to me stressing out about filling their schedules for them. So reactivation, you know, trying to get my PT to reactivate people who have fallen off the schedule is just very challenging. And that's honestly one of the hardest things. I mean, everything else is going, I don't want to say on cruise control, but it's going in the right directions because I've listened to you. I've listened to the business growth school. I've listened to these other things and I've got these systems in place. Yeah. So the business is running. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't want to say on cruise controls, but it's these little things that it's just, is the hardest thing for me. I think um, the good thing with you, it's not just listening, you've actually done. And that, and I, I, I need to point that out because there's people listening to this podcast who have probably been listening for three years who may have dabbled with some stuff and, you know, kind of flirted with a few things, shall I say, but ultimately it, it'll be how uh, prepared are you to, to dig in and actually, you know, see this stuff through that ultimately getting to the leadership level of your company, nobody's going to drop that into your lap. And yeah, you, you are fighting with staff and you are going through one or two recruitment challenges and you are having to live a little vulnerable for a while as you hand over patients and so on. But it's a beautiful view when you get to the top of, of, you know, the, the mountain that you want to be at. That's what I would say. Um, a couple more questions then before we, um, before we wrap up. So obviously you and I work together in my CEO mastermind program, which is exclusively aimed at helping people get to this level, get to the point of, of being out of the day, day running of their business. And we get together every three months, we sit around the table. There's nine other people, I think in your group, Jake, um, you know, incredibly smart business owners. What, what do you think the biggest lesson is that you've learned um, since you've been part of that program and, and being around those smart business owners? Man, this one's easy. It, and it almost sounds cliche, but it is the truth. The problem you think, the thing that you think the problem is, is never the problem. We have never, ever had one business owner in our group come to CEO and say, this is my problem. We've never had one person be right. You know, we always come to this meeting thinking this is our problem. And then all the other members in the group are saying, it's very obvious that is not your problem. This is actually your problem. That's the best thing. I mean, it's just, it's eye-opening. And being able to um, not fight with it and just say, okay, that's the problem. Then I'll go fix this. It's, it's just accelerated progress tenfold. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know if you can even put a number on it, but it's just accelerating how you fix problems because, you know, I'm finishing this meeting on Saturday. I'm going back Monday morning and I'm making the changes. I'm making the decisions. Okay. Now we're moving forward again. Yeah. It's so true. The blind spot is what's killing. Um, the blind spot are the mask as I uh, speak about it the, in the program. And I, I, you know, as you tell that story, it, it makes me giggle because, you know, personally, I go through it as well where um, you just can't see what your problem is. You, you, you know, your nose is so close to it that you're so emotionally connected to it. And when you get in a room with eight or nine people who just don't give a shit, and, and, I, and I mean that with the utmost respect, we do give a shit about you, but we're not emotionally attached, if you like, to the thing that is the problem or the, or the cause of the problem that is usually the business owner, which is why most business owners don't want to let go of their problem or let go of their challenge that they're facing because they're the one who ultimately created it. So to, to actually admit that that you know, is your doing, take some, you know, take some balls really to be able to do that. And as you, um, as you talk about that, I won't say his name, but um, he will be on this podcast at some point and he might tell it himself. The, the greatest situation that I could point out uh, with an example of what you just said is where the conversation started with, I have a problem with a PT and I'm, and I'm thinking about firing this PT because the, you know, the, the, this person's uh, patient visit average and their evaluations and all of these things are just not, you know, just not up to scratch. And then the conversation swung around within 20 minutes to, Tell me about the person who answers the phone and who's running the business. That within 30 seconds, the conversation went from not to 60 about being how this person was a complete pain in the ass and was selling the wrong thing and you know patients didn't like him and so on and so forth. That ultimately it transpired that the reason that the 
physical therapist had a problem was because the person who was answering the phone was overselling, promising things that weren't being delivered or couldn't possibly be delivered upon. Ultimately, culturally wasn't a good fit. And the rest of the conversation was then around whether or not this person was actually a good fit for the business and whether that person needed to stay. What transpires is in less than 10 days after leaving the, uh, leaving the CEO mastermind, is that that person actually is the root cause of most of the problems and is asked to leave the company. I spoke to that business owner uh, two weeks ago who in the month after firing that person has had the best uh, or most profitable month of, of 2019. It is no coincidence. And, and these are the light bulb moments that you get when ultimately you're, um, you're forced into thinking that the problem that you think that you've got actually isn't, you know, isn't, the, um, isn't the problem. So good. And last question then I'm going to let you go. Um, knowing what you know now about business, what would you do sooner? Whew, man. So I guess that's an easy question to answer because the first, first thing that I would do is learn more about leadership because what I was originally going to say, the first thing I would do is hire employees sooner. That's the, the easiest answer in order to grow and scale I learned that the faster or the more hiring helps you do that. You can't do it by yourself. So I would have hired somebody sooner than I had. However, knowing what I know now with my uh, poor communication skills, I would say what I wish I would have done was learned how to become a leader and communicate better simultaneously or immediately followed by hiring somebody to help me get to the next level. So those are probably the two things, just hiring somebody to help me get there sooner. Amazing. Well done, Brill. I've loved speaking to you. And um, Jake, you are an absolute credit to, uh, to yourself, to, to the profession, to everything that you do. You're uh, an amazing member of our program, uh, very well loved and very well respected. And um, rightly so, the progress that you've made is nothing short of uh, sensational. We haven't even really discussed your profit, which I won't go into. You wouldn't bring it up, but um, I can't uh, let it go without suggesting and pointing out that you've made a shitload of money um, in the last few months, uh, in spite of the fact that you've come away from the patient care and um, you know business is looking very, very, uh, shall we say the balance sheet of, of uh, BEM and PT right now is looking pretty healthy and it's, um, it's hats off to you for tenaciously, uh, aggressively just going after it and uh, not settling for the status quo. So where can people find out, you know, can they check out your website and, and they definitely need to watch Mullet Monday. So how do they, how do they do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can go to the website, BermanPT.com and check that out, but it pretty much looks like yours. It's a, it's pretty much the same thing, but if you want to laugh, <laughs> and definitely go to the, the Facebook page, uh, search Berman Physical Therapy on Facebook, or I think it's facebook.com slash physical therapy Naples, I believe, but just search Berman Physical Therapy on Facebook. And if you want a good laugh on Monday, if you don't laugh after watching the Mullet Monday videos, then we got some other issues going on. So check that. <laughs> All right. Good man. Thank you for your time. Uh, very much appreciate Cool. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapists. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you could benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.